something. Uh, one last thing real quick before we uh, jump into the message, um, our youth retreat, which uh, it got postponed, and you know, the Lord's timing on everything. Uh, it, you might look at it and go, oh, why did this happen? But we think it happened because we're in a place right now where we're meeting a lot of new teenagers, and we think maybe the Lord held off the date for our retreat a month ago in order to allow more kids to be able to come right now. So let's get our youth pastors to stand up for just a second. Yeah, Eric and Brooke right here. <laughs> oh, you sit down. Brooke, you stay standing. <laughs> Uh, Eric and Brooke Nicholson um, leading our youth and just have, have been at Jubilee um, with us through campuses and the Lord brought them back from Bethel here uh, to, to, you know, with us and it just was an answer to prayer and an awesome thing. And so I'm going to pray for you in just a second. Um, guys, I want to just encourage you, like we talked uh, during this, this series um, on the hallway, one of the messages was on the tapestry that God weaves with our lives in ways that we, we're trying to do, you know, addition and subtraction, and God is moving in quantum mechanics. What can we do to have more interaction with God? Because that's where your hope is. Anytime there's an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to have more attention, more time, more of everything, put yourself in that place. And I'm not talking right now to old adults. I'm talking to young people sitting in this room who right now you might have an opportunity. Maybe you've been asking, God, if you're real, God, if you have something for me, God, if you want me, show me. All right, not knock. God, go to the retreat, okay? That's, that's what you're supposed to do. If you have any issue like we can't afford it, please let us know. We will never allow that to stand in the way of ministry. Uh, if you want to help us with that, if you're an adult or a parent who knows the value of it, want to help us with that, let us know. Um, but I want you to know who Eric and Brooke are. Uh, I want to pray over them right now. It's a little impromptu. We didn't plan this, but I just feel like I want to pray. For, I think this is a special retreat. God's going to do something special. I'm going to proclaim it. It's the law of saying it first. I'm going to get the first word, and God can have the last word on this retreat. So you want to stretch your hands this way. Yep, let's just believe the Lord. So, Father, thank you for Eric and Brooke and the call that is on their life, on their family. Thank you for bringing them back to us. Thank you for the fire that's in their heart. Thank you, God, for how much they love you. I want to pray, God, that that contagious fire would spread. Let, let it make the Delta variant look like child's play compared to how you're going to spread your fire amongst our young people, Father God. Lord, I open this church up to the activity of the Holy Spirit, especially through our young people. God, would you, would you cause little ones to lead, Father God? Would you raise up that generation? Would you make it a powerful thing, Lord? Not something where adults feel separated, but let it provoke us to say, if they can do it, why aren't we pushing further into the things of God too? Lead Eric and Brooke, lead them prophetically, lead them, Father God, as they step into this moment. Uh, Lord, all of their leadership, all of the people who are going to come around this, even those who will hear this today, maybe not even in this room, 
but, but maybe we'll get the invite, get the invitation. Lord, would you open their heart, cause them to be brave, to step out into the moment and go, I, I've been asking, I'm going to take a chance, Lord. And when they take that chance, Father, show up in a way that just surprises and shocks them in such a powerful, Lord, supernatural way. I thank you for this, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. We give you praise in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. 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 Thank you guys very much. All right. Uh, so we're in the last message of our uh, hallway series, and I think you'll understand why I'm going to end it the way that I do today. I want to thank Pastor Jake for his message uh, last weekend. Tremendous message. Yep. Um, you know, when we have a weekend off, sometimes it's, we, we try to take it as a weekend off, but I knew what the, the notes were, and I knew what the message was going to be. I, you know, we, we uh, prepare for those things earlier in the week, and I wanted to come over and hear the message. I had watched it in the first service, and I thought, man, that is really good. I'm going to go over, and so I was here in the second service and sat up front, and Chris ditched last week. She didn't come, but I did. Uh, <laughs> Oh, how many times could you say you're the one who ditches? Then <laughs> um, Jake, you just, it was fantastic, man. The Lord, we are grateful for the teaching gift that the Lord has brought to our church through you. And dude, we love you and thank you very much for your ministry last week. So yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and then JJ mentioned it's the fourth, uh, the, so the first month down, uh, only 27 more months to go. I am kidding. <laughs> maybe, maybe five more or so right in that time frame. Had a meeting on Friday. I probably need to start doing uh, updates every week now and just let you know where we are. Had a meeting uh, with the builder and the architect on Friday, uh, making sure is the guaranteed max price, making sure on the schedule. Uh, we're pushing right now to get the demolition permit early so that there's just some activity. I know it seems week after week, the reason I don't say anything there's not a lot to report right now. It's in the hands of the city. And for those of you who have been through that process, there's just not much that can be done right now. The city takes their time. They have no uh, time limit on how long they can take. The fire department looks at it. Uh, everybody has a chance to figure out how to get money from you in the, in the situation. <laughs> and so that's the process right now. Um, but we're asking to get the, the demolition permit just so that there's some activity uh, over there and that we can move the schedule up a little bit quicker. And I believe, okay, I can't, can't say for sure yet, but I believe that that will happen this week or next week. We will film that so that you can see it. I will start to show it. After that then, maybe another two weeks, then the construction uh, period will start on the building. Once that starts, it'll go pretty quick because it's all indoor work that they're doing. Uh, a prayer point right now, I'm sure that you've been paying attention to the news and you see that in all of our ports around the U.S. right now, uh, cargo is backed up. It's backed up out in the ocean. It's backed up. Um, you know, those, those containers are just full. They can't get enough truck drivers to get this. Just a, it's a mess right now. They're telling people to start your Christmas shopping right now because they expect it to be a little bit difficult to get product on the shelves. Same thing is true not just in Christmas shopping, but materials right now and in labor right now. All those things would be a prayer point. Uh, we know that the Lord is in control of it. We know that it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. And quite honestly, I'll say it one more time, I, this would not be my preference. I would rather be in our building right now. But as long as we have God, 
Right? It's, the building is the secondary issue. And they're cool, and they're important, and they can allow ministry to go forth. But the truth of the matter is you could have the greatest building in the world, but if you don't have the presence of God in there, it's more of a mausoleum than it is anything else. And we do not want that. We want something that is just on fire. It's viable. It's alive. And if it needs to happen in this in the meantime, then we'll take this right here. Uh, Amy, this isn't even the message. I'm getting a little sidetracked right here, which is not my normal way to do this. But Amy came, she had a word during worship and came and said, Dad, I feel like in Revelations, it says that our prayers go up as incense to the Lord. And it actually talks about a golden bowl, listen to this, that is before the throne with the prayers of the saints. It's something that God cherishes and keeps for himself. And she said, I I saw a a vision, a picture. I I don't know the word there. I don't want to put you in a, like, don't let the language trip you, right? But she just said, "I, I, I saw the Lord. The bowl was so full from the worship and from the prayers that the Lord actually moved it to the side and got a new, bigger bowl because of the prayers and the worship. And, and just the, the, the word that was going out. And the Lord was just so pleased with that right there. And so I said, Ames, maybe that, that might have been shared for the church right there. But she had a word in it uh, for me. And uh, I, I just, I sense that too. That even in this place right now, it's not like we have been stopped or held back or, or we're on pause. God is moving powerfully right now in the midst of this place. And as long as we have the Holy Spirit, there really can be a Mile High Revival, guys. And I don't know. I had some folks, I'm looking for some folks printed t-shirts that said Mile High Revival uh, on it and started wearing them. And I don't know if they're here in this particular service right now. Um, but how sweet that is right there. It's another prayer point. Do you believe that that's possible? Yes. God doesn't need buildings. He needs people. Right? right? He needs people. So, Okay. Uh, Let's pray and I'll let you go home. No, here here we go. Uh, (laughs) Final message in the hallway. I think this will make sense to you. I think that you'll understand that really everything that we've taught up until this point, uh, the whole hallway message, right? In a nutshell, we're not where we used to be. We have crossed that threshold. There is no going back. It's like when uh, Israel wanted to go back to Egypt. It, that, what, a, what a false way of thinking that is. And they even said uh, to Moses in that time, are there not enough graves in Egypt that you bring us out here to die? That is such faulty thinking, right? You leave that place, but the place that we're going to is not ready. And that in-between place, that liminal space is the hallway. And that's what we've been talking about. So we come to the last message on it. And I think this is important. Listen to the wording right here. Uh, any hallway message, any hallway thinking, any hallway navigation, right, always comes down uh, to these things. It's, it's what you have to, it, this is the practical, you have to do these things in order to navigate the hallway. So I'll give you three things real quickly. If you're doing the online fill-in-the-blank notes, uh, here, here's the first one. Listen to the wording. Be faithful when it's no longer fun. Be faithful when it's no longer fun. Now, let me, let me explain this real quickly. I don't think that... God wants us to live lives that are devoid of joy and devoid of fun. I think that serving God should be a blast. I think that God is the originator of joy. It doesn't come from the devil. It doesn't come from the world. In fact, all they do is hijack it and try to put their meaning on it. Real joy comes from God. 
He's the originator of it. He is joy. And when he's in our lives, we experience joy. And we experience it in greater proportions. But I do think that this is true. Not everything in life is about easy. Not everything in life is about it always going the way you want it to go. Sometimes life gets difficult. And what is important is that when it's not fun, in the seasons it's not fun, you need to be faithful. Faithful is what you do when it's not fun. And I'll give you a couple of examples here that I think are important. Um, Luke, uh, no, 2 Timothy 2.2. Let's, let's start here. Uh, this is Paul writing to his protege, Timothy, talking about the way ministry works uh, in the more mature uh, aspect of it. And look at this. The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to fun men. What is it? Faithful men who will be able to teach others also. God places a high premium on faithfulness. Well done, you good and fun-filled servant. Well done, you good and faithful. Faithful is important. I'm not saying that your life should only be about faithfulness and that there's not joy. In fact, we should be overflowing with joy. We should be ever increasing in joy. The, the work of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Yeah. Joy is it's a high premium on it, but faithfulness falls right in there. We've got to be faithful when it's not fun. Luke 19. I just quoted this, but here's the story. Another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. Um, the background is Jesus picks three servants, tells them that he's going to go away. He's using an analogy about him, that he's going to go away and do business in another kingdom. And he gives them, uh, he uses money in this case. And this is a, uh, you know, 2,000-year-old uh, increment of money. He's going to give them each a certain amount of money and he wants them to invest the money because when he gets back he wants to see a return on it. The first two get busy. They do something with what's been given them. But the third one, this is the guy right here. Look at this, this mindset and this thinking. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was what? I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. And his master replied, okay, I'll judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? This idea that this guy simply took this and buried it, I bet he thinks he's being faithful because he didn't lose it. And according to Jesus. Faithfulness is not just maintaining what's been given to you. Faithfulness is even when you are afraid, step out and do something with it, man. Trust God. Believe God. Move forward with what God's given you. Never be in a position where you're just biding time, treading water, trying to survive. Always be about your father's business. He is looking for faithful people even when life is not fun. Faithful even when it's not fun. God is not pleased because you can simply hand back to him, hey, I didn't lose it. God is not judging your life on what you huh, didn't lose. God is looking at you to gain with what he's given you. So what are you going to do during the hallway? 
What are you waiting for? Most people are thinking, once I get through this time, then I'll do something great. You want a secret? Whatever you're doing right now is what you're going to do then too. It's a principle. Uh, it's, I hear this all the time, just connected, I'm a pastor, so I have to connect it to giving real quickly, all right? Listen, people will say all the time, if I won the lottery, you ever heard that one? You ever said that one? Don't raise your hand on that one. I hear it all the time, pastor, if I win the lottery, man, you, you write the check, I, you know you cannot spend money on if you win the lottery. And people are always like, if I get it then I'm going to do something great with it. I think this is true. What you do now is what you will do then because it's a principle in your life. Thank you for that overwhelming amen, that shout, that excitement. It's a lie that we tell ourselves. I'll change when the circumstances change. No, you are what you are. If you are joyful, be joyful when it's not a fun time. If you are faithful, be faithful when everybody else is unfaithful. In marriage. Think about this for a moment. Marriage is not always fun. Chickens. Yeah, I knew. I was just going to see. Will anybody say amen to that? Most of you are like, oh, please, just move on. Pastor, don't. Now, you know what? That just, that entices me to stay. So, we'll talk about that for a minute. Marriage is, it, marriage should be joyful. Marriage should be abounding. Marriage should be overflowing. Marriage is something that we choose and then we give it our all. I've said this over and over when people come, especially young people, hey, do our wedding for us. How do you know you're ready to get married? Because I love this person. They make me feel so good. And then that same conversation a year or two later can be, this person makes me feel worse than anybody's ever made me feel. What is that? It's feelings. Feelings. Marriage cannot be about I love you as long as it's fun. I'm faithful as long as it feels good. You need to know that your partner is faithful no matter what. Yes or no? You have to build a marriage that way. You have to be an employee or an employer that way. And you have to be a believer that way. You have to be a faithful believer that regardless of circumstances, you're in it. I'm committed. I gave my word. I'm going to do this. Faithful. Marriage is a wonderful thing. It's a blessing. I married my best friend. It grows every day, but it doesn't always feel that way. But guess what? Even when there's a rough patch, yes, Pastor John and Chris have rough patches from time. Even when it's a rough patch, the commitment is, we're going to work this out. Years ago, I did a study. People in our church that had been married more than 25 years. There weren't a lot of them. Maybe a dozen? Maybe 15? I don't even remember. This was back when the church first started. One of the questions that I asked them, tell me the secret of longevity. What is it? Looking for some kind of like, you know, they'll unravel the mysteries of the universe and then I can stand up and share it with the church. Every one of them, they didn't say it in the exact sentence, but they all said the same thing. We're married because we chose to stay married. Isn't that the truth right there? It's not always about like, hey, it feels so fun. Sometimes, sometimes not, but always I'm committed and I'm faithful. You almost feel like in the day we live in, when I say that, I almost feel like, well, you better back it up a little bit because that's not the society and that's not the culture. Then the culture's wrong. Yeah. 
Society's not right. God is right and God is true. And being faithful when it's not fun is important. <laughs> I even wrote these down. The idea that faithful and not fun. Nah, I'm not going to say it. Let's go to two. Tempted to give up or give in. When you're navigating a hallway, it's really important to understand you have to be faithful when it's not fun. And two, you'll always constantly be tempted to give up. And if you don't give up, the enemy's there to get you to give in. I don't think that most of the people sitting in this room give up. If you did, you wouldn't be here this morning. If you did, you wouldn't have had the wherewithal to get up and get dressed. You, you wouldn't have put up with coming to a... It's not the most easy place to park. You can say amen to that. It's echoey in here. It's just, it's not like the preferred thing. But most of the people in this room, the proof that you're not a quitter is the fact that you showed up, you're here. So when I say you're always tempted to give up or give in, most of the people in this room have figured out how to overcome the give up part. But let me tell you what is more insidious. It's, it's more quiet. It's kind of that one, you, you know, give up you can see, but give in. Give in is when you still show up but instead of having your heart in it, you just kind of mail it in. You ever worked with someone who just mails it in? I hate that. I get it. I know stuff happens. I've been guilty of it too. But the enemy's constantly, constantly trying to, to tempt you to give up. Most of us in this room have figured that part out, but the, the give in. They're just kind of going through the motions, the surviving, the, you know, I, I, I'm going to do it because I said I would do it, but I'm not happy about doing it. And I, I, you know, it's hard to build something with that, isn't it? It's hard to move forward with that. I remember years ago, this idea, uh, not, not the truth of it, but the, the wording of it. Pastor Terry helped me with this. Terry was a senior pastor at the time. At, You've been around, I even said this a couple of weeks. Terry was my youth pastor years and years ago, many years ago, back when we chiseled on stone to send messages to people. It was a long, long time ago. Dirt was young back then. Um, and so Terry, Terry had left Colorado and had gone to South Carolina and helped uh, Greg Surratt, some of you know Greg, we've had him here several times, start Seacoast, one of the premier churches in America today, maybe around the world. And after a number of years, Terry left uh, to, to take his own church. And he was in an area close to where Augusta, Georgia is, where they do the masters. It's right across the river from there. Terry was a senior pastor for a number of years, but he didn't feel like his gifting was in being the lead. He felt like his gifting is in being a support. And Terry had come to town. He was teaching for us uh, right over the Christmas season many, many years ago. And Terry said, hey, can you and I just take a drive and talk? We parked right down by Redstone Park, for those who know Highland Ranch, over by where the stadium is. We parked in that parking lot. Terry said to me, John, I, I just don't know if my gifting is matching where I've been planted, and I don't know what I should do about it. I want to be faithful, but I'm not sure that God isn't saying, hey, this isn't lining up. And he said, the worst thing that's happening to me right now is I'm showing up, and my heart's not in it, and I feel like I'm going through the motions. Can we just be real for a minute? So maybe this is rhetorical and you don't need to respond to it, but have you ever gone through the motions? 
you just, your heart's not in it. What can you do about it, right? That's the worst thing. Terry recognized it and he realized it. And instead of just writing it out, instead of saying that position, Terry said to me, John, I'm actually considering stepping down from my position and looking for a place where I could support the senior leader. Really? In my mind, I thought, what a chance for revenge. <laughs> I'm just seeing if you're listening right now. <laughs> it wasn't very much longer after that that I actually invited uh, he and Brenda. Come to Denver again. Come be a part of Jubilee and help me. Terry has a tremendous, I, I don't even know. Terry, he asked me for a job description. Here, here is my job description for Pastor Terry. Terry, you're glue. What does glue do? It helps people stick together. How many of you have been loved on by Terry Hilgers? Look, at, look around at the hands real quick. Look, three quarters of our church. How do you put a price on that? I can't figure out how, Terry can, but I can't figure out how to put a price on that. So let me just say to you, while I am saying that you need to be faithful when it's not fun, I also think that if you find yourself in a place where you're tempted to give in, you need to figure out what's going on. Because God doesn't want you to stay in a place where you're just mailing it in. Life is about much more than just taking up space and surviving till you can get to retirement. Do you hear what I'm saying? God doesn't want you to just, just kind of like hang out. You have a purpose. Your life matters. It means something. You have something to offer the people sitting around. Look at me. Those of you who are older than I am, I realize the temptation would be when you're my age, you won't feel that way. I've been told that the whole time I've been in ministry. I'm 57 now. I think I'm more engaged today than I was when I was 20 and just started doing this. I think I'm more, my heart is more involved in it. I never want to get to a place where I'm just surviving and just, if I ever get to that place as pastor, I've got to consider, is this what God still wants? You need to be careful with this because if you find yourself in a season and you're just like, so what are you saying? Like make this major change? You need to hear from God on that. And you need to be able to discern the voice of the Lord. But listen to me. God does not want you just marking time. Even if you've earned the right to take it easy, God doesn't want you just marking time. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? Don't get to a place where you just, you know what it is? You're dying before you're dead. Don't do it. Don't give in like that. Find out where you're supposed to be. It doesn't have to be some major upset either. It may just be about an adjustment. In Terry's case, it was just the realization, I'm in the wrong place. I need to get in the right place. Now, you couldn't. You could not pry his hands off of what he's doing right now. Terry motivates me instead of me motivating Terry. 
Terry's always excited about what is Tuesday morning. My first meeting of the week is with Terry, 7.30 on Tuesday morning. I come in, sit down. I'm tired from the weekend. I'm like, I don't, you know. Terry's like, it's so good to see you. God's doing such great. By the time I leave the meeting, I'm like, all right, I'm staying another week. We're going we're gonna to go one more. <laughs> Can I touch on marriage again real quick? The give up or give in thing. How many times as a pastor I've heard these words, we're going to stay married for the kids' sake. So I bless the fact that you love your children. And they do need you. And there's truth and goodness in that. But that's not how God wants your marriage to be based, to be run, to be lived out. Stay together because you're enthusiastic about it. Marriage is not just like, hey, let's be together and then the reward is just longevity. It's longevity with passion. Did you hear what I said? It's longevity and passion. God wants both of those things and it can be that way. It can be that way. We're constantly tempted to give up and if we overcome that, then it's to give in. Luke chapter 4. Look at this real quick. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now remember, Jesus is hungry, 40 days hungry. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all this will be yours. Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to the devil, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And the only reason I use this story right here, I want you to see the difference. The enemy is not trying to get Jesus to give up. He's trying to get him to give in. Go along. You want all of this? All right. So give in to this rigid stance that you're going to serve and worship God. Give up or give in. Give in is insidious. Give up is ugly, but give in is insidious. Here's the third one. See if you can pick out the Greek word. Endurance, schmurance. It's a true story. I sent this to my staff without any explanation, and they literally were looking up to see if they could figure out what Greek word is that. That Pastor John, it's a true story. Where is schmurance in the Bible? I just came up with it. <laughs> Hebrews 10.36, look at this. You have need of what? 
do it one more time. You have need of? So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Um, maybe a quick, to-the-point way of saying this is, without endurance, you don't get any promise. Endurance is necessary to receive promise. All of us in this room want God's promises, yes or no? How many of you pray? God bless me. It's okay to ask God to give. It's okay to ask God to pour out. Part of Scripture says that he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. It is okay to ask God to do that in your life. How many of you would love more of that? If you don't raise your hand, you don't get it. I'm right now. But we live in a time, I, I don't know what it is. It, it's easy to say that it's, uh, it's a particular generation. And oftentimes it seems like older generations will point to younger generations and say, it's in that generation. But I'm just saying as a whole, there's some lack of endurance in our world today. Like people almost, if anything gets difficult, if it gets hard, if you have to, you have to pay any price for it, that, that's a signal that God's not in it. I would almost say to you, if you don't find some resistance by the enemy, you might want to check which way you're walking. If the devil's patting you on the back while you're walking, you may be going the wrong way. Resistance and endurance, man, they're, they're necessary to the equation of receiving God's promise. Now listen to this real quickly. The word endurance, you might think it means just to hang in there, uh, to not give up or to give in. That is part of it. But listen what real biblical endurance means. To endure is to be steadfast, unmovable, and then listen to this, to wait hopefully and cheerfully. Let's say it one more time. To wait hopefully and cheerfully. How many of you are good at that? Right on. I'm not. One of the areas that God really needs to continue to work in my life is to wait cheerfully. I wait anxiously. I wait nervously. I wait impatiently. I seldom and I cheerful when I'm waiting. It means to be like, hey, God's about to show up any second. And you've got your eyes peeled looking, where is God going to pop out next? Instead of just like, oh, I can't believe another day. I found this really sweet story. The synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke. They all three write the similar story of the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. They're not exact, but they're similar. That's why they're called the synoptics. So the second one is Mark. Mark is known in scriptures as John Mark. So let me tell you John Mark's story real quickly. Um, most people believe that he was there at the Last Supper, that he was in the upper room, that he was with Jesus when he was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so there's the story in Mark's Gospel, and in Mark's Gospel only, that a young man who, when they came to arrest Jesus, took off running, and he was running so fast that the tunic he was wearing fell off, and he was naked as he was trying to get away. And it's only in Mark's Gospel. And so most scholars believe he's actually writing this about himself because no one else would write that. 
So that when Paul comes on the scene and it moves a little bit further into how the gospel gets spread, you have Paul and Barnabas who go on the very first missionary journey and they take a couple of disciples with them. One of them is John Mark, that same Mark who wrote Mark with Jesus. And as they go on the first missionary journey, they encounter resistance. They encounter uh, people who are persecuting them and people who don't like what they're doing. So they begin to fall into situations where they're going a little hungry and people aren't happy, people are booing them, uh, they get attacked at some point. And somewhere in the middle of that, this John Mark decides, I'm not going to do this anymore, and he leaves them. And Paul writes about it in his gospel that he's been abandoned by John Mark. It happens to be this, this John Mark is Barnabas' nephew. So later on, when they're going on their next missionary journey, the second missionary journey, Barnabas says to Paul, I want to bring John Mark. And Paul says to Barnabas, absolutely not. And the Bible says this, they fought about it so vehemently that they separated at that time. Barnabas and John Mark went on a journey. Paul and Timothy went on a journey. And you never read about Barnabas again. Never comes up again. This is really interesting. At the end of Paul's life, when he's in a prison in Rome and he's about to be killed, he writes to Timothy and he tells Timothy, here's the things that I want you to bring. I want you to bring my coat because it's getting cold. I want you to bring my writings, my parchments, because they bring me encouragement. And then he says this right here. This is 2 Timothy 4.11. Only Luke is with me and get Mark, John Mark, and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. So you have this story that's kind of, it gets convoluted in the Bible because it's kind of spread out. But you have this young disciple who goes with them initially because he's so gung-ho. But when the pressure gets turned up, he doesn't have the endurance. He abandons them. And Paul for many years rejected him. But somewhere along the line, he gets himself back in the race again so that Paul actually calls for him. One of the very last things that Paul wants is to have this guy with him before he passes because he's helpful to me in the ministry. And the only reason I'm bringing that to you right now, I want to just throw this concept out. Maybe you're in your own hallway right now and you've heard all of these messages and maybe something's trying to encourage you to get back in the race. Maybe you're even one of these people that when I'm talking about, maybe you have given up. Maybe when I say most of us have learned how to get through that, you feel like, not me, I gave up a long time ago. I abandoned. Or maybe you're in that place where it's a given. Your heart's not in it. You're going through the motions. You show up, but you'd rather be someplace else. You know, when you're in that place where you're just like, you know, you've given in to, everything that's said just doesn't, it just kind of goes over your head. It doesn't hit your heart. But maybe during this series, it's like the Holy Spirit has been doing CPR on you, trying to convince you, hey, get back in the race, wake back up, you're in a hallway, this hallway's not going to be forever, you get to make a decision about what's going to go on and when this hallway's going to end, and it's time to move forward. So maybe you hear this message, but you feel like, you know what, I abandoned, there's just no place for me. So I tell this story today because I think that God would say to you, you're important to me in ministry. 
So I want you to get back up again, and I want you to join this race again and quit being in that place over there as an outcast, separate, living with guilt or shame or whatever it is. Look at me. I think this message comes down to God one more time getting you, hey, do you want to be involved? Raise your hand. Come on. I need you. Come with me. Be with me. I think that's the story of our gospel. He's always asking, always, always reaching, always calling us back. At the very beginning, the very first message of this series, here's what I said. We're talking about a hallway as a church. We left all that we had. We stepped across the threshold, and there is no going back. Here's how I know there's no going back. Thrive, Pastor Jacob and Hannah sent me an email with a picture of their grand opening last weekend. And they were so thankful for the opportunity. This is what they said to me. You guys were willing to give up what you had so that somebody else could have a chance. Wow. I thought we were just trying to get into a new building. And so... (laughs) So our hallway right now is that we've left behind all those things and we know where we're going in the next room, but there's this... We can't get there right now, and so we've got to go through this. And are we going to expectantly, joyfully wait right now? Like, God, look, I know you think I'm kidding when I say Mile High Revival. Wouldn't it be more like God to do it where only He could get the credit? We could say, well, we got this new facility, and everybody's excited about it. the, The only thing to be excited about in here is that God is in our midst. He's with us. He's for us. He's in this place. So I don't know what hallway you're in right now, but I know that the Lord, the email that I've gotten, the messages, the people that have stopped me and just, Pastor, you know how this has helped. I know that the Lord has used this for the microcosm that's in your life right now, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a health hallway, a marriage hallway, a financial hallway. Maybe it is spiritual. Maybe it's a hallway that I can't even stand up here and imagine. And you think, Pastor, you're glib about it, but if you really knew my hallway, you wouldn't be so quick to say the things that you're saying. In no way, shape, or form would I minimize your hallway, but it will not change my mind about how great our God is. And that our God is your hope. And he wants you in a place where you're not just surviving and marking time. Some part of spiritual maturity is faithful when it's not fun. Enduring when it would be easier to quit. And then waiting really well. God, I'm excited. God, I'm really excited. I don't know why I'm excited. But I'm excited because you're in the midst of things. You're with me. And it doesn't change the circumstance. You're going to go home to that hallway today. I get it. We are too. We're going to go home to several more months. One down. And I'm, God willing, five to go. Right? God willing, five to go. I mark them off on the calendar. It's a celebration for me today. But it's not going to, it's not going to change it. I'm going to have to show back up here next week in a gym. 23 years of skilled ministry has brought us right back to a gymnasium I'm waiting well you have to go through it one way or the other 
at what point do we ever realize that at some time when I get to the other side, I want to get to the other side and feel good about how I got there. I mean, how many times have you felt bad about how, God, forgive me again for, stop. Let's do something about it right now. Let's see God move in a powerful way in your hallway, in our hallway. Let's be that church. So, Father, we love you. And, Lord, I know when I speak, I know, I know my, my words have weight. And I know for some people, in those situations where it hurts and it's difficult, the words can sting a little bit. Guys, I know you think, Pastor, you just, you just don't know how difficult it is right now for me. I, I respect that. I honor that. I don't mock that. I don't make fun of that. I don't deny that. But I also won't be talked into giving up or giving in because we're in difficult places. We have to do what God called us to do. We have to put our faith in Him. We have to remain faithful. We have to remain in positions where we're waiting well. How awesome would it be to get through your hallway and for God to go, well done, you good and faithful servant. Not just, hey God, I made it. Hey God, I, I didn't risk too much. Hey God, I didn't lose the thing that you gave me. How good would it be to go, God, it's a little messy. I didn't know what I was doing a lot of the times, but God, I went forward in faith. I went forward believing that you we're in the middle of it. God, I went forward knowing, even when I couldn't see the next day, the next moment, I still trusted in you, God. I just think that's what he's calling us to right now. This isn't some emotional plea for a response because the truth of the matter is emotions won't help you in a hallway. Faith helps you in a hallway. The Holy Spirit helps you in a hallway. So I think I just feel led to pray for that. If you're just like, I won't name what the hallway is, you can decide. But if you're in that hallway place in your life, and whatever, whatever your hallway is, and you're just like, John, I hear what you are saying today. I want to do that today. I want to be faithful. I don't want to give in. I want to wait well. I want to be a person of endurance. I want to obtain the promises of God I'm not going to let the devil have this he cannot have this if that's you and you just say pastor remember me in your prayers there's something in this moment of faith right now don't discount this if that's you and you just say pastor that's me in my hallway pray for that just raise your hand right now just, yep I see you it's many 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 of us in the name of Jesus the only name under heaven by which anyone can be saved. The name that raises the dead to life. The name that opens blind eyes. The name that opens deaf ears. The name that stops the devil in his tracks. That name. I speak that name in your life. In your hallway. God will never abandon you. He's right with you right now. In this moment. In that place that you are. And even if it looks hopeless, 
feels like it's just burnt to a crisp, I ask that the Lord would breathe on your situation. He would breathe life, animate your situation. God would touch you and that God would rescue you and that God would help you right now. I pray that the words, well done, good and faithful servant, would take on a different meaning, not just eternity, but in the situation you're in. God is looking to reward those who are faithful, who endure, who wait well, who don't give up or give in. I pray strength on you. I pray the Holy Spirit to invade your life in a new way. I pray that people would say to you, what are you so hopeful about? That your only answer could be Jesus. Jesus. I'm hopeful because of Jesus. I pray that whatever it is in that hallway that the enemy is taking advantage of, in Jesus' name, I pray that no weapon formed against you can prosper any longer. I pray that every tongue that's come up in judgment, the Lord would show to be in the wrong. I pray that he would be your vindication. I pray that you would see God move powerfully. Even if the circumstance doesn't change overnight, I pray that the joy of the Lord would come and be your strength in the middle of that thing. Church, it's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new time. It's a new growth level here. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.